Hello, you are listening to the Seven Point Highlander cast, the magic podcast about the format Seven Point Highlander, also known as Australian Highlander. I'm your first host, Millie, and joining me is Sav. Hello, everyone. And Vance. Hello, everyone. And we're going to get straight into it because this is our Ravnica Allegiance set review. We're not going to do what's the point. There is no time because we've got a lot of cards to talk about. Just a very, very, very quick shout out that CanCon is coming up. If you're there, uh, have a really good time. Otherwise, I'll be at GP Sydney. Sadly, I'm not going to be the judge for the Highlander event, even though I put my hand up for it. Oh, no. Um, but I will try and walk past the tables as much as I can so I can see what you're all up to and what brews you bring to those events. Sweet. Yeah. I'll be there at the GP as well, so feel free to come up and say hi. Oh, cool. I just just confirmed my flights. (laughs) Excellent. I will be in both. Well, I'll come and say hi, so. Awesome. All right. First up, we're just going to do this in um, the basically collector number order. So some of them we're going to have an in-depth conversation about. Some of them we're just going to skim and just be like, hey, just to know that this is a thing. You might want to think about it, but we don't have a lot to say on it instead of doing the, like, definites and honourable mentions at the end. All right. So, first up is Hero of Precinct 1. It's one and a white for a creature human warrior. Warrior being notable. Uh, when you, Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, create a 1-1 white human creature token, and it's a 2-2. Yeah, this card has a lot of potential. Um, uh, you might call it Young People Mancer. Um Just get a lot of 1-1s. Oh yeah, in a deck like Warriors, I mean it's a shame the tokens are created aren't Warriors as well, but it's, it's potentially quite good in that deck because it does have a number of, uh, you know, gold Warriors in it. Um, and in something like Storytime Bant or the Humans deck that's been running around, like these are all places where you've got a reasonable number of aggressive 2 and 3 drop gold cards and multiplying your human tribe a bit issue with is this good. card is that like... That whole thing. Two and three drop gold cards, right? Like, as soon as you've got a low curve, you tend to not have gold cards because you don't want your mana costs all tied up in very exacting ways, or you want one drops. So I'm just not sure that there's going to be a deck that has enough multicolor spells to really make this worth it, but um, hey, it's a good tool. Yeah, and it's also it's a lot worse than something like uh, Young Pyromancer because it's much harder to cast two or three or four gold cards in a turn. Oh, well, you literally can't do a whole bunch of one-drop spells, so... Mm, mm. You get the occasional uh, hybrid card, but yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. All right, what's next? I've actually got uh, another two-drop here. It's a white creature called Tithe Taker, and it's a colourless and a white for a 2-1... During your turn, spells your opponent's cast cost one colourless more to cast, and abilities your opponents activate cost one more to activate, unless they're mana abilities. And also, when it dies, it's got afterlife one, so you get a 1-1 black and white spirit creature token with flying. Alright, so it's a bit of a cut-down Thalia. Hmm, hmm. Yeah, It I is mean... only during your turn, though. It's very specific, isn't it? It kind of goes, I'm going to protect my things from counter spells, I guess. Yeah, and I guess instant speed removal. But it only protects you a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very soft. The taxing's not amazing on this card. Um, but Afterlife is... A, like, a 2-1 with Afterlife is already a decent card. Mm. Um, and we There's do a couple say- of others in the set. When, when we're saying the taxing isn't great, I mean, technically, the tax is identical to Thalia, Guardian of Therabin, for many many aspects, just really only during your turn and... 
and slightly yeah. better than Thalia in some respects because it taxes abilities as well as spells. Mm. Ain't that young, uh, not young Pyromancer. That custom age? Grim Lavamancer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a good that's point. Right. Yeah, I like it. I think it could see play in some kind of uh, hate bears type of deck. I mean, there are there are kind of white, mono white type, uh, uh, what do you call them? Like death and taxes style builds. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see if anyone sleeves it up, but it looks has it like it has potential. So uh, next one is we're into blue now, um, as it's a multicolor set. Most of the juicy stuff is going to be in the multicolor cards. Uh, this one we just wanted to quickly bring it up. It's Terramander. It's just blue for a one-one creature Salamander Drake. It's got flying, and then it's got a weird ability. It's a uh, seven and blue to adapt four, which means you. Pay seven a blue to put four plus one plus one plus plus one plus one plus one. Um, just four plus one plus one counters on it. Um, if it's already got counters on it, you can't use the adapt. But the ability costs one less to activate for each, each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. So if you've been casting a whole bunch of spells, then you can drop this down and very quickly turn it into a flying five five, which is massive. But eight mana is a lot of mana. Yeah, it is. So the card I've seen people comparing this to is Tombstalker, um, which is not an entirely unreasonable comparison. At the end, you've got a 5-5 flyer for a lot less than you should be paying for a 5-5 flyer. It's This ability is harder to get a discount on than Delve. I mean, it's got the upside that you don't actually lose the card, so you can delve them away later, but you can't... like. Normally by turn four or five, when you cast in Tombstalk, you'll have two or three fetch lands in your bin. You might have another dead creature in your bin or a planeswalker or something. Or you this doesn't thought care about any something. of those. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you thought scour and, you know, you might end up with some lands in your bin and that's fine. Whereas this obviously, I mean, as it says, it only cares about instants and sorceries. You're still on turn four or five. You're going to be making this into a five, five for three or four mana. Eh. Um, it's not I amazing. Love it. But... I think in something like um, Blue Red Burn, if it's you got need potential. a 60th card, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I think it's I think it's better than that, but I don't think it's it's definitely not as good as Tombstalker. So. In, in terms of cost of activation, you can look at things like Bedlam Reveler that also counts instants and sorceries yeah. and can quite often be cast uh, in the mid game for those blue red decks. But I mean. As soon as I saw that this is a Drake, I'm thinking of the Drake approves meme, and I'm thinking, you know, he disapproves of a one mana, one one flying, but he approves of a five five flying. <laughs> and you know, oh. you, you used to call me on my salamander phone. These uh, sorts just... of memes just don't work great in the audio format, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Manually describes meme. I think it's time oh, to. Uh... Dear. And then he turns his face slightly away. And then... <laughs> all right, all right. What's Moving next? on. What's next? <laughs> uh, so the next one is an interesting card. It's called Drillbit. Uh, so it's two and a black. Target player reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it and they discard it. So that's, I believe, exactly coercion, um, mm. which is not exciting but then it's got spectacle one black and this is our first spectacle card so spectacle is you can cast this card for its spectacle cost rather than its mana cost if an opponent's lost life this turn just clarifying that is a single solitary black that is not one and black ah yeah i keep doing that yes a single black yeah yeah well uh when you're looking at this i mean it's fundamentally a thought seize on its up on the upside you know in the best case scenario thought seize you don't lose any life that's pretty sweet and the problem is it's kind of got this hidden cost where it can only really fit in 
decks that are aggressive, like the, the Neiman Burn deck, where you're just getting in with creatures real early and you can actually cast this for its spectacle cost quite often, uh, that's, that's really nice. But the problem is we generally can't pay its spectacle cost on turn one and it's pretty hard that's yeah that's <laughs> your opponent great. usually has to help you yeah and so yeah. like if you, if you got again. you know yeah you got a you got a gut shot or you got a a mox on the on turn one and you've got a hasty little critter coming in you know we, we can basically safely assume it can't be played on turn one and oftentimes when you're against combo uh and sometimes control and especially when you're trying to curve out you often need to cast uh duress inquisition thought seize on turn one uh oh. Not, not I don't often, know, I, but it's nice to be able to do that. Too. It's, it's nice to have the option, but in something like Neiman Burn, you often want to on, spend your turn one playing a threat or two if you've got a Mox, and then turn two and three ripping their hand apart um, and maybe playing some extra threats. So I think... All right, in that case, then the cost I, I think in something high. like... Yeah, I think in something like Red Black, like the question you've got to ask yourself is... is you know, the, the, the default set of duress... Sorry? Is this better than, like, Inquisition or Thoughtseize or... Yeah, Other exactly. Options? I just so, so so the default set of duress inquisition thoughts is somewhere between your main and your board. Um, if you're in these sorts of black decks, and you've got to say, all right, is this better than probably duress? And in some of these decks, I think it probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, is it ever better than inquisition or thoughts? Is probably on balance, it isn't. But I think it's definitely uh, it's definitely a card we'll see that'll see some play at. Um, CanCon and the GP, and whether people will be right to do it, I guess, will be determined by history. Mm. Give me a shout-out on the Discord if you do end up playing this in your 75, because I am very unconvinced that it's not great. I mean, Except. no, wait, hang on. I am very convinced that it's not great. Yeah, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. Alright, next one up. It's Gutterbones. It is black for a 2-1 creature skeleton warrior. I like those stats. It enters the battlefield tap, though. I like that less, but that's basically what you pay for that sort of thing. It has one and a black, so two mana, return gutter bones from your graveyard to your hand, activate this ability only during your turn, and only if an opponent lost life this turn. That's interesting. So yeah, it kind of returns with spectacle. This is a lot like um, Dread Wanderer and there's a warrior, blood something champion, blood soaked champion. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got the, so, so this is another variant. Yeah, this is another variant of of those cards. If you want an extra one, great. It's a warrior, also good. It's not a zombie. Maybe that makes it worse. So, I think this is a you know, it's a definite role player. It'll definitely see some play. Think about it's not it. amazing. Every time I see a type line that has skeleton warrior, I solely think of the terrible '90s kids show, which you can probably put the audio to in here. What? And if you don't know, go and Google search Skeleton Warriors. It, it has a very uh, catchy theme song that only those, you know, only kids in the 90s will know this. You know, only kids in the yeah, 80s I, will know that whatever, whatever. Was it the 80s? Yeah, I'm thinking Man. more 80s. It sounds I'm like I'm being very dated geez. then. <laughs> <laughs> I think Millie might be too young for this reference and I might be too old. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a very narrow bones. window. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a narrow window for this guy okay. to pick through. <laughs> moving on, moving on. So we've got another spectacle card. I, I just feel like every time I see spectacle, I'm just in this unset where it's like, if you wear glasses, you can play this for its spectacle cost or something. <laughs> but Spawn of Mayhem, it's uh, four mana, two and double black for a 4-4 four, four, flying trample, a.k.a. flample. It has uh, an ability at the beginning of your upkeep, Spawn of Mayhem deals one damage to each player. Uh, 
Then if you have 10 or less life, put a plus one plus one counter on Spawn of Mayhem. And the advantage here is its spectacle cost is one colorless mana cheaper. So you can get this Flample 4-4 four, four out uh, for three mana. Yeah, love it. This is a good card. I am not looking forward to facing this in standard where I don't have the tools to deal with it. Um, it's it's going to dodge some some removal because of it's actually for CMC, right? Oh, it dodges Inquisition, and it's a little bit harder if you're trying to fatal push it. Mm, you it can't decay it. Mother, but no one really decay. plays that anymore. Oh yeah, abrupt decay it dodges. Oh yeah, yeah that's that's a nice one. But um, if you're an aggressive deck, this is one heck of a clock, and you just don't care about that life being done to you. Mm, mm. Yeah, it, it looks it looks yeah. slow. The first turn that you like, you play it, and then you untap. He deals one to both of you, so he's already dealt one, and then you're going to swing for four. And later in the game, it just gets worse and worse because it starts getting bigger and bigger. I mean, this is. It's still, because of that one damage to each player, it's essentially doing five damage every turn. That's a four-turn clock. It's very easy to imagine situations where you untap with it as a 5-5 five, five that's just dealt them one. Mm. And it can't be does bolted this... even on the on the front side. Oh, mm. it, like, does this hit rate for Highlander? I, I feel like I it does, so. but I'm just... I feel like rate-wise it does. I'm just not sure deck-wise where it fits. I mean, it might be a curve topper in something like, again, red-black uh, red black aggro's got a bunch of interesting tools in this set. Um, this could easily be a curve topper in that sort of deck where they literally don't care about their own life total um, as long as it's greater than one. And you're going to be spectacling it out every game because you're going to be attacking or you've already lost. So It would be interesting to see if, because, yeah, we'll, we'll go through some more black, red, and black red cards uh later that perhaps not any one of them individually is enough to sort of like make a deck arch archetype out of but um perhaps this set is just going to across the board boost red black's abilities enough that what was previously a fringe deck is starting to be able to beat hard enough to play with the big boys the next one is Immolation Shaman. This is mostly an honourable mention. We won't talk about it very much. It's a red and one for a 1-3, which is not great stats. Whenever an opponent activates an ability of an artifact creature or land that isn't a mana ability, uh, it deals one to that player. And you can pay three red red to give it plus three, plus three, and menace until end of turn. Yeah, I'm, I'm just directly comparing this to Harsh Mentor. And fundamentally, there's one tiny little upside, and that is that the things don't need to be on the battlefield to trigger the damage. So if you cycled a land from hand or you activated that gutter bones that we talked about before uh, to, to return it to the battlefield, you'll deal damage. Yeah. Uh, I not. Is that right? No, I'm not sure that's necessarily true. Judge? <laughs> uh, because it, it's, it's just a card when it's in your hand, I thought. Ah, so then uh, it's yeah, not yeah, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. a land or a creature. All right. Yeah, because well, yeah, um, it doesn't say creature card or land. We card. don't have the set FAQ out yet. Um, the whole set is out, but the the set FAQ and rules questions and answers aren't aren't out yet. So um, take a look for that one. But yeah. I don't believe it as soon as they are in graveyards, exile, or your hand. Wow. So basically, what I wanted to say was there's this tiny upside compared to the downside. But basically, there's no upside, and the downside is one versus two damage is a big difference, both on its power and on the damage it deals uh, from its ability. Harsh Mentor is so good in comparison, and 
And oftentimes people go, oh, Harsh Mentor, this is a bit of a fringy type card, you know, so this is a, a little bit worse than that. And there's an upside of that, you know, you can make up some of the damage by when you flood out, you give it plus three, plus three and menace. But if you're a burn deck and you're playing and planning to flood out, you probably don't want to do that. It's against really the spirit of your deck. Don't worry, we've got a better card coming up. Um, so the next one is um, Skewer the Critics. I love the art on this. <laughs> That's um, great. It's two and a red for a sorcery. Skewer the Critics deals three damage to any target. But it has Spectacle Red. So if you've already dealt some damage this turn, then this becomes Lightning Bolt. A sorcery speed Lightning Bolt, but three damage to anything nonetheless. This is, I think, a bit worse than it reads um, because in the kind of decks that, in most of the kind of decks that want to play a lot of burn, you want the option of being able to remove blockers with it, um, which this is not great at unless you want to bolt them in the face with another card. Um, but that aside, I think this is at least as good as Rift Bolt. So if you're playing Rift Bolt, you should strongly consider whether this is better than it in your deck um, or whether maybe you just want both. I look forward to testing with it. Well, <laughs> well I've got a more complicated card coming up it's called end raise forerunners it's eight mana five green 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 for a seven seven <laughs> something that we probably aren't going to really be consistently playing just uh, on turn eight after making a land drop every time so <laughs> let's look at its other potential it has vigilance trample and haste whilst flying and trample is flample i don't know what vigilance and trample and haste is uh vampaste maybe yeah there's probably something in there um Trampaste. So when when End Raise Forerunners enters the battlefield, other creatures you control get plus two plus two and gain vigilance and trample until end of turn. So I, I'm kind of uh, looking that, at this in context of uh, Crater Hoof Behemoth. So I'm calling it Crater Raise Four Hoofers because I got four hoofs. Uh, four hoofers. I'm. I mean, <laughs> sure. Cricket. Sound of crickets. Tumbleweed. It's um if Crater Hoof Behemoth is a roaring fireplace, then this is a bit of a a candle next to it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like plus two plus two, vigilance and trample is not the same as plus X plus X. Um I mean, and haste. I think it's a little bit I think it's a little bit better than that. I mean like, it itself I, I would is call a it, monster. I would call it puddle hoof behemoth, but um <laughs> <laughs> look it's it's a card that invites nicknames. I think it's... If you were in a deck that wanted a second Crater Hoof, you would probably play this. Mm, I don't think there okay. is a deck that wants a second Crater Hoof enough to play this. Like, I think a lot of Elves players are going to look at it and try it and then go, nah. But hey, give it a go, see how it goes. And yeah, I suppose when, when it's a singleton format, the ability to uh, have contingency plans... That do kind of the same thing is really good. Redundancy, yeah. that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. All right, what's next? Next is a card that's had a lot of discussion. It's called Bedevil. Uh, it costs black, black, red, and its text is destroy target artifact, creature, or planeswalker, and it's an instant. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, look, we've been talking so much about how main deck artifact hate has just really changed the landscape of Highlander, you know, to the point that a lot of the ramp and time vault and talarian academy type decks have just been really struggling 
And a lot of the points decisions recently have been skewed somewhat due to this new meta, like uh, looking at Clamp coming down to one, Steel Shaper's Gift also coming down to zero. So the question is, does Kespile actually want another one-for-one spell? So when you're looking at control decks, control decks look at uh, you know power from card advantage or mana efficiency, not necessarily mana efficient inefficiency in order to get flexibility. So uh, if you look at all of the one-for-ones that Kespile has, it usually has cards that are two mana or less. You know, counter spells, uh, dread ball, that kind of thing. But when you look at the three mana plus spells, they're looking at card advantage, you know, to try and claw you back into the game, you know, once you're stabilized or, or help you stabilize. And for reference, we've had Crozus's Charm, and that got cut uh, a while ago when K Command appeared on the scene. And whether or not it's correct to play a three mana one for one spell that has the flexibility that Crozus's Charm, you know, used to be, used to have in that slot. Uh, time will really tell, I guess. This is a, probably more flexible than Crosses and Charm in most circumstances. Yeah, it's 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 better. It's definitely better. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, no one's really playing Crosses' Charm, and this is... No, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Look, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the other thing that's got to be considered um, is Black Black Red is not a trivial mana cost to be able to consistently get on turn three. And also have your deck not lose if your opponent untaps and casts a Blood Moon or a Backspace. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thinking doable. to myself, I kind of want Kess to start running this and strain mm. their mana base just a little bit more. Maybe push the Blood Moon out of the 75 together. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, you can definitely build mana bases that can consistently cast this on turn three after casting Mana Drain on turn two. That's, that's a thing you can do. But you can't do it and be fetching basics. Yeah, it's hard. It's definitely very, very hard to do such a thing. So I guess, like, if I mean, people have looked at trying to play Heroes Downfall to mitigate the uh, the Planeswalker weakness, but the fundamental thing is Kespal isn't as weak to Planeswalkers as it as it used to be. Now that people run Dreadbore in the main, so yeah, it might it just it has a home, but whether or not people play it might be down to personality, might be down to meta. Yeah, there's a lot of factors going on there. And I think there are some other places where you could see this. Um, so in a deck, there's a red-black version of the Planeswalkers deck I play, and that would happily play this. Oh, um, yeah, Because absolutely. it's no Any strain on the mana, and it's hyper-flexible. Definitely wants this, I think. It's yeah. just those three-color decks that's really like, mm, black-black. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. What cool. do we have All next? Right. Next up is Cinder Vines. It is red-green for an enchantment. It says, whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, Cinder Vines deals one damage to that player. So that's alright. But hmm. it also has uh, one sacrifice Cinder Vine, so that's one colorless. Destroy target artifact or enchantment, Cinder Vines deals two damage to that permanent's controller. This card's really interesting. I'm not sure how good it is, but it's definitely the sort of card I'll be trying in sideboards. Ignoring the first half for a moment, the second half is approximately uh, Destructive Revel, I think. Is the Destructive Revel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. one damage short, I think. No, no, so they both do two. Oh, it's, okay. Um, but this is got to sit in play, so they know it's there, um, and it costs an extra mana. So that's obviously a little bit worse, but not massively. Um, it's mm. kind of like uh, Seal of Cleansing. 
Yeah, Seal of Primordium. It's it's like a hybrid between Seal of Primordium and Destructive Reverie and a little bit of a pyrostatic pillar almost. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it's it's having it's having the first part as well that makes it interesting because um, there's a lot of decks where as an aggro or mid-range sort of red-green deck, you might want to bring in some enchantment destruction or artifact destruction. And a lot of those decks also play a lot of, you know, brainstorms and swords to plowshares and whatever. So mm. you might cast this on turn two, deal them three or four damage, and then destroy the permanent you wanted to get anyway. It kind of sucks as a top deck, but even then, oh, not yeah. like the worst, <laughs> though, unless you're about to lose. Like, we're all running enough non-creature spells that you bring this in from the sideboard and you're like, ah, I top deck this. I'm going to play it. And if it resolves well, it's, they still have to deal with it in some way. Like, yeah, it's going to make things awkward. And so like, if that's the floor, that's not the worst. So of course you only, like you don't bring this in just because it's a control deck, right? Like you bring this in because you're getting both the initial part of the card and you know that you'll have a target for the second. Oh, yeah, you, you would never bring it in. I don't think I'd ever bring it in just to, you know, deal them two or three damage with it. You definitely want to be blowing something up more often than not. <laughs> and, hey, a lot of, like, the spell-heavy decks are playing stuff like Search for Escanto and that sort of thing, so... Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. always going to be targets. And, you know, as much as we say it sucks as a top deck, I mean, it sucks as a top deck as much as Destructive Revelry and Seal of Primordium do, and they get played, so... True, yeah. true. But I don't think I would... Oh, I was just going to say, I don't think I would ever bring this in against something like um, the blue-black deck, because it's just got no targets for the second half. Um, But... That's not true. It's just Search for Canter. Okay. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) It's got very few targets for the second half. Um, But, yeah, there are plenty of decks where I think this is really good. But, yeah, what's next? Well, I've got another green-red card. So this is Domri Chaosbringer. He's green, red, and two colorless, so four mana for a five loyalty planeswalker. Uh, His plus one is add a red or a green. If that mana is spent on a creature spell, it gains Riot. And Riot means you can either give it haste or a plus one, plus one counter. And minus three, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal up to two creature cards from among them, put it into your hand, and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. The ultimate is blah, 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 you win the game. So you get an emblem with at the beginning of each end step create 4-4 four, four red green beast creature token with tramp. Uh, yeah, it's actually not that much of a win the game, is it? But uh, yeah, well, it's close enough to win the game. It's oh, no, it's close. each end step. So by the time you get to untap, you've got two. You've oh, got beginning of each end step. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's real. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about this? It, it's interesting that it's minus ability. It like it's one of the planeswalkers that's not uh, conforming to the like plus one draw a card, minus two protect itself, minus whatever win the game. Mm, um, mm. Instead, it doesn't fit the formula. Yeah, yeah. Instead, it's kind of like halfway between the old Domri and um, Xenagos Planeswalker in that it's yeah. generating you some mana, oh, yeah. it's creating, it's making some hasty threats, though it's not just making two twos, but giving Riot to like any creature that would normally have Riot can be a bit scary. Um, but the minus three, like, it's kind of worth playing this in a really, really creature heavy deck because you might draw two cards, and that's amazing. Yeah. Mm. That's I- it. Four mana. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think this is... Again, it's one of those cards that I'd have to play with a bit. I think it's probably not quite good enough most of the time. Um, giving every, giving anything right is a real thing, and we'll talk about that later. 
What's so our next card is Fireblade Artist. So this is mm-hmm. uh, a red and a black for a two-two with haste. Oh, that's already okay. Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, Fireblade Artist deals two damage to target opponent or planeswalker. It's yeah, this card looks shaman. pretty sweet. It, this card looks like it should be one of those Azra from Battlebond. No, yeah, it, it looks does like, look like a Battlebond card, doesn't it? <laughs> it looks, like looks it quite a lot like they were going to print Tybalt in the set and then chickened out. Yeah, the art <laughs> seems to fit fit that theme and everything. Yeah, I like it. I, I saw this. I mean, it is sweet art, Steve Argyle art. I've actually just just as an aside, I've really liked all of the, uh, particularly the Rakdos art in this set. It's it's a little bit outside their usual, very sort of comic book realism kind of art. Um, particularly on things like Bedevil, you've just got this, you know, fabulous bondage circus oh, thing going on. Seb McKinnon is amazing. Yeah. Mm, Sorry, Sav, you were talking. Mm, fantastic art. Yeah, so if so anyone's the seen, the, seen the pre-pre-release uh, from the LRR uh, guys, the this card was just doing heaps of limited uh, work. And... Uh, basically, along with some tokens, with a small amount of build around, you're able to get that little bit of reach, which often those uh, uh, Rakdos decks need. But if you're looking at Highlander, you can dedicate a deck and build it around, build around it. And we've already got a deck that has that exact shell, and it's Neiman Burn, and yeah. it gives you that ability to just sack things that recur anyway. Uh, give you that reach when your opponent stabilizes, or they have enough blockers for you. But also. Normally, these kind of cards are really bad top decks, but because it's got haste, it's actually a good top deck. So I can definitely see this card being played. Well, yeah, the, the problem with these sorts of cards is they're normally either dreadful top decks or they cost four or five mana and you just don't want to play them. Um, so it's a mm. two mana 2-2 two, two mm. with haste. Um, like I think that deck might already be playing a, a two mana 2-2 two, two with haste um, that this is just better than. Um, oh, and yeah, it's, as you said, it's, it's it with in. all your you know grave crawlers and blood ghasts and whatever. If if they you know somehow stabilize the ground, you're just like oh well, you're not in very much life, and this guy's gonna kill you. Uh, and if you're playing clamp too, then you know why not? <laughs> yeah. What have we got next? We do have another gruel card. Yeah, and this one's had people talking already. It's gruel spell breaker. It's one red green for a three three uh, ogre warrior. It has riot, so it enters either with a counter or haste. Um, it has Trample, and as long as it's your turn, you and Gruul Spellbreaker have Hexproof. Oh, I love it. I love oh, it. Oh, this card is a jerk. Um, there, there are a number of things I really love about this card. The first one is you always get your first hit in um, if, you, if you give it haste. Because, I mean, they can counter it, but once it comes into play, it's attacking. Uh, oh, yeah. They, they can't bolt it. They can't whatever. It's... It's getting there. Three three trample kind of hexproof with haste would already probably be good enough, um, and sometimes it could be a four four. And one of the interesting things about riot, uh, which Millie can confirm for me, is so I, I cast put this spell on the spat stack. You in your hand, you've got lightning bolt and counter spell. You've got to decide. You, you've got to work out whether I'm going to give it haste. Well, I mean, with this, you can't kill it in response anyway, but. For a generic creature, you've got to work out whether I'm going to give it haste or whether you need to counterspell it before it becomes a 4-4 before I decide, right? 
Yeah, because I don't know what you're going to choose until it resolves. So there's like this little bit between the spell resolving and it actually hitting the battlefield, which is when you make the choice about Riot, which is, yes, it will have a plus one, plus one counter, or uh, it'll have haste. And once it's on the battlefield, that, it just, or like, if you choose the counter, you don't get a chance to be like, actually, in response to the counter going on top, I'm going to bolt it. Uh, It just has the counter, always. Yeah. So, uh, you gotta yeah. you got to make up your mind early. Yeah, so, so there's this period where it's come off the stack and it's, like, in the dressing room and it's deciding whether it's got haste or plus one, plus one, and you don't get to interact <laughs> with it during that period. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a terrible analogy, and I love it. <laughs> no, uh, well, I think that's great. So, uh, the, the card that I've got is another Rakdos card. It's Judith the, Scour- the Scourge Diva. So... Yep. Uh, her mana cost is one colorless, one black, and one red. So three mana for a 2-2. Two, two. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus zero. So it only boosts the power. But it's a lord for all creatures. And whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Judith the Scourge Diva deals one damage to any target. Very critical there, any target. Ugh, this card. I, you know, when I first read this, I only read the whenever a non-token creature you control dies, she deals one damage to any target. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a pain. And then it's like, oh, by the way, everything will be hitting you much harder too. It's just not not okay. It's not fair. That said, like, if she only had the second ability, I don't think she would be super Highlander playable. I think it's the conjunction of the two that means that if creatures are getting in and they get through your blockers, they're going to deal more damage. And if you block and kill them, they're still going to get something through. Yeah. And I think it's also like when I first read it, I just imagined the word to any opponent rather than any target. Um, there are definitely going to be times where you're like, cool, I'm going to, you know, clamp up my blood ghast. It's going to kill that blocker. Then I'm going to clamp up my grave caller. It's going to kill that other blocker. Um, and then I'm going to attack with all my other creatures. Also, I'm going to bring those back. Uh, next is Rhythm of the Wild, which is one and a red and a green. It's an enchantment. Creature spells you control can't be counted. Boo. And non-token <laughs> creatures you control have riot. Oh, nice. Well, aside from the name of the card sounding like a song lyric or name, uh, this is a new option for those big zoo decks. So uh, Vance can obviously comment on the you know the mock zoo looking to be low to the ground and kill your opponent really fast. Uh, but people who are on a budget and don't actually have access to Moxon often try to play a big zoo game where they have you know card advantageous threats like Brimaz, they use Skull Clamp, and so on. I reckon that this card could slot nicely into there because it gives uncounterability to some of those slightly larger threats, allowing you to play a little bit later into the game. And also, for reference, uh, some of these decks have played cards like Vexing Shusha in the past, which says shh to your control opponent and stops them countering your things. So the haste side of things, when you give your creatures Riot, uh, if you choose haste, it's very, very similar to Fires of Yavimaya, which has been played in Highlander long, long, long ago. So I'll be interested to see whether these two abilities combined will make it playable. Uh, I think the correct nickname for this card is Riots of Yavimaya. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Fun fact, Riot stacks. Yeah. If you have this and you play the uh, Gruel Spellbreaker, then you get to choose to have a plus one, plus one counter and haste. Haste twice. Or two plus one plus one counters. Perhaps do not choose haste twice. Yeah, it does not let it attack the turn before it came into play. <laughs> I think this card is 
is definitely worth looking at in the sideboard of, of Zoo. Um, I think even in Mock Zoo, it's it's a potential sideboard card because it is really, like, if you can find a window to resolve it, uh, just makes your control opponent's life untenable. Like, mm. half the cards My in their deck... My main problem with that is that that's already a good matchup. Yeah, look, that's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's Fair. true. <laughs> so, look, I, I think it's definitely worth investigating, but, yeah, it's not super exciting. It's sweet that it's an uncommon, though, so just pick yeah. one up or whatever at any point. All right, this is uh, Sunder Shaman. This is red, red, green, green for a giant shaman. He's a 5-5. Five, five. He can't be blocked by more than one creature, and whenever he deals combat damage to a player, destroy target, artifact, or enchantment that player controls. So he's kind of like um, Dragon Predator, except he's not in the air and he costs more, but he is a 5-5. Five, five. Yeah, he's this guy? giant. Um, uh-huh. He is actually a giant, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, he's both literally and figuratively giant. <laughs> I think this card is an interesting four-drop in red-green. It's essentially unblockable except by the biggest of things because it's just going to eat anything else that blocks it and you can't gang it up. It kills your opponent pretty quickly. I think the you're not going to destroy a lot of artifacts and enchantments with this because they're just going to die instead. Um, but you'll take an occasional artifact or enchantment with you and that'll be sweet as well. Like, I'm not sure that I would sleeve this up in the Red Green Planeswalkers deck, but I would probably consider it. Yeah, I mean, Trigon Predator has been played in the past and often gets eclipsed now, so Trigruel Predator might not be good enough. (laughs) So my next card is another... (laughs) Where we came in full force. Uh, So I have another Rakdos card here. It's called Theatre of Horrors, which sounds awesome. The art is awesome as well. It's three mana, one colourless, one black, one red. For an enchantment, at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. During your turn, if an opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards exiled with Theatre of Horrors. Then you have a bonus ability here, which is three and a red. Theatre of Horrors deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. So this is pretty exciting. What do you think? I really like this card. It's not like the uh, other cards like Chandra Pyromaster and... Oh, Chandra, sorry. Chandra Pyromaster and... Outpost Siege, which exiles a card at the beginning of your upkeep or when you activate it and you only have that turn to use it. Uh, Theatre of Horrors, it'll even if you can't cast the card that it exiles this turn, that will sit there waiting for you to eventually deal some damage and be able to cast it. They just never go away. So it's essentially drawing two cards a turn from that point on. But if you really are struggling for a way to deal some damage to your opponent so that you can cast those cards, it's got an inbuilt activated ability to do that. You'd rather not use that. Uh, You'd rather use something like a creature or something you've got on the board already, but it is there if you need to. It's just straight up card advantage. Yeah, it's kind of like a Phyrexian Arena um, that doesn't deal you damage. I think this card's probably pretty good. I mean, your opponent gets to see... I assume your opponent gets to see all those cards. Yes. Because it doesn't say they're face down. So you know they've got a bit of a telegraph of what you can what, what you've got piled up, but I uh, yeah I think it's I think it's a fun and interesting card. Next up we've got one of the more exciting cards that we've got to talk about today. Uh, Prime Speak of Vanifar, Vanifar I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so for two green blue, you get a legendary creature 
elf ooze wizard, which should clearly be jellyfish, but it probably didn't sure, get on the type line. But <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's not much room there. So tap, sacrifice another creature, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this only any time you could cast a sorcery. Uh, and she's a 2-4. Um, so you might notice that the text in the middle there that I rushed through a little bit is the text of Birthing Pod, uh, which is mm. a pretty good card. Yeah, tried and think, true. Sarf? Staple. Yeah, so this this card, I mean, we, I talk about saving the best till last. Uh, I think the remaining cards that we have are largely honourable mentions. This is the last truly discussable card because I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. I am 100% going to be brewing with it. Uh, <laughs> some of the... Some of the options that you have are a new draw into playing a bug value pod style game, which has never really quite made the cut over, say, junk pod style decks and dark band. Uh, but the one that I'm really, really excited to brew with is this kind of nono black Kiki pod style deck. And yeah. uh, for those of you who've seen Kiki pod or, or you know, uh, vault pod those types of decks from you know 2012 that kind of era uh they're really really enjoyable because you have a variety of different lines accessible uh when you have a birthing pod and oftentimes you go if i have a birthing pod and this creature and that creature or that creature and the other creature i can win the game now the yeah. best part about vanifar is you've got a variety of different direct lines that just let you win with a single mana dog so for example let's say you have vanifar active and you've got a mana dork you can sacrifice the dork and make it into a scrib ranger scrib ranger then untaps vanifar and then you sacrifice the ranger and make a deceiver exarch then you could sacrifice uh, then use the exarch to untap vanifar then sacrifice the exarch to make restoration angel which will untap vanifar and then vanifar will sacrifice uh oh no you can't sacrifice her so there's definitely a line here where you need to okay Okay, my chain... something else. Yeah, that's right. You, you, there, there's definitely a chain here. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. So uh, for those who are listening in, uh, tell us which ones. Where are you going to insert Phantasmal Image in there? Because you're going to have to put a Phantasmal Image somewhere or maybe... Uh, there's, there's a lot of creatures that we have access to. And thinking on my feet, I can't give you one. But one will end up with uh, Kiki Jiki and Restoration Angel giving you infinite uh, critters and attacking for lethal. There are some options that involve Revelark. There are some options that involve... Um, yeah, Revelark. Mm. Some of the persist creatures. Or her having haste, which means you can make copies of her with haste. And, this is, and this is what happens when we think on our feet. Because pod... You know how the, the pod players, they tank for about five minutes. They're like, I know I've got the win, but I need to tank for a little bit. Uh, we are trying to do that on the fly. And... Uh, safe to say, this is very, very difficult. So I think we've uh, just fizzled. For those, yeah, yeah we fizz, I think we fizzled. For those of you who are uh, listening, try and think of some lines that you can win with, uh, say, one other creature, usually a low-value creature, because the best part is when your opponent sees you have just a mana uh, dork and Vanifar uh, on turn three, let's say, and you pass the turn and they go, oh, that's, it's okay. I'll ship the turn back to you. And you go, ha I win. So you tell us. It's obviously worse than Birthing Pod because she doesn't have haste and Birthing Pod essentially does. And Birthing Pod can cost less mana if you can exchange some life. But a little bit worse than Birthing Pod is still leaves room for a pretty good card. I'd be amazed if this didn't get 
multiple copies played at CanCon and the GP? At the very least, so people are, want to experiment. Like, yeah, absolutely. The, the cool new cards often get a little bit overrepresented in the events immediately after a new set coming out, just because people want to. Those cards, the new cards, tend to get a little bit overrepresented, but that's cool. We want to see people exploring with this sort of thing. And this card is just waiting for people like you, Sav, to get your little mitts on it. Oh, it's part of why my bet's pretty safe. I'm pretty sure Sarf will be playing it at the GP. Oh, I am excited. And uh, I'm glad that I was able to stick with us to the end of the exciting cards. I'm going to leave the two of you to talk about the really, really boring gruel cards, maybe. And uh, I'll have to sign out here. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing people at the GP. This episode will be coming out uh, basically just uh, in front of the GP. So yep. uh, please bring. Hopefully, it'll come out two days after the pre-release uh, if I can edit it in time. Awesome. It's a little bit harder because it's pre-release weekend. Yeah, there are challenges. Well, please, <laughs> please come up and see me because I'll, I'll have my my team shirt on, so you'll be able to spot me relatively easily. I'll usually be the one with the greediest deck in the room if you can't see the back of my shirt anyway. And uh, <laughs> show show us all the new brews you have. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Thanks for see joining yourself. us. Farewell, everyone. So next up is Zertar Goblin. It's red-green for a 2-2, which definitely isn't Highlight Affair, but it has Riot, so it's sometimes a 3-3, it's sometimes a hasty 2-2. This is here just because of the flexibility, right? Yeah, it's better than Watchwolf, and Watchwolf is close to playable, but it's not as good as Flintwolf or let's say. So uh, I think this is mostly going to be not quite good enough in your Zoo decks, but it's worth trying. And now we're up to the split cards. What's the first one you want to do? So the first one is Collision Colossus. Collision is one and a red-green hybrid, so two mana. And it deals six damage to target creature with flying. Uh, And Colossus is a red and a green. Target creature gets plus four, plus two until end of... And gains trample until end of turn. Uh, And both halves are instant. So this is just, like, strictly better than Colossal Might, right? Yeah, except for weird circumstances where you're playing, like, Dark Confident or something. Ha, huh, yep. Get Dome for four. <laughs> yeah, but pretty much, if you're considering playing Colossal Might, just play this card instead. Uh, and, right. then, and then cut it, because you shouldn't be playing Colossal Might. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Next up is Thrash Threat. Uh, Thrash is red-green hybrid, red-green hybrid for instant. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. And then Threat is the other half. Um, it's two red-green for a sorcery. Create a 4-4 red and green base token with Trample. This doesn't seem super great. Uh, I think it's better than it reads. So the Threat half is a f- perfectly reasonable fail state for your removal spell. Like, they don't have anything you want to use your removal on, make a 4-4. Like, it's not a great card, but it's okay. Um, the Thrash half, I think, is in certain decks going to be good, and specifically in decks that are red and or green and have no real way of dealing with Planeswalkers. So if you point this at your 3-3 when they're tapped out, because it's an instant, uh, and you get to eat their Jace or something, you're going to be having a good time. How often that happens instead of you getting blown out in response? Uh, Possibly not as often as you'd like. Um, I think mono-green decks or green-blue decks, if you're for some reason playing these colours... then you can consider this as Planeswalker removal because green just doesn't really have that otherwise, aside from, like, Beast Within, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. It's just a think-about card. Yeah. So, so the next one is 
Warrant slash Warden. So Warrant is put target attacking or blocking creature on top of its owner's library uh, for white-blue, white-blue hybrid, so two-mana or hybrid. Uh, And Warden is three white-blue, create a white-blue sphinx that's a Sarah Angel. So it's a 4-4 with flying and vigilance. I mean, if you really need a Azorius charm, I guess, because that's kind of what the um, warrant is, then you can use this. And it has the fail option of like, well, I'll just make a 4-4 flyer. That's pretty good. For 5 mana, that's not good. Sarah Angel is a long way from Highlander playable. Yeah, look, I don't think this is going to get a lot of play, but if you're playing a white-blue control deck, it's not the worst thing to think about. All right, and our final card is our only artifact that we've brought up, Glass of the Guild Pact. It's 2 mana. For an artifact, multicolored creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1. This is pretty clearly for a particular type of deck. Yeah, yeah. So um, this goes back to the first card we talked about, a hero of District 1. Ah, Young People Mancer. Young People Mancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of reasonably aggressive decks in the format at the moment that play a lot of gold cards. So um, again, it's Storytime Band, it's the Humans deck. Warriors plays a number, but probably not enough for this to be good. But if your deck is full of two and three cost gold cards, have a look at this card. I think really, like, it's got to be full of... Oh, yeah. Gold cards, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. chockers. You, you've got to be playing about, you know, 15 or 20 of them. Because otherwise, you just pay one more mana and pay any of the white uh, anthems. So. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You might not be playing white, but yes, um, that point, is definitely point. true. There's a lot of cards that do similar to this for not much more. Um, so... It's, it's definitely the honourable mention end of the scale, but uh, <laughs> yes. I think it's worth a mention. Also, what? two cards that we haven't talked about tonight, oh, in case you... Oh, some bonus ones! You're sneaking these in on me! They're not in no, the no. notes! No, no, no uh, these are the ones we talked about last time. So just in case anyone missed last time, Lavinia is really good if you're in blue, white, and want to hate bear. Light up the stage is great if you're in red. Uh, but go listen to us talk about that last week. Yeah, that was at the end of last week, uh, last fortnight's episode, last fortnight. if you missed it. Um, we had a nice long discussion about them. Got a soft spot in my heart for Lavinia because she seems to be one of the only really, really good blue-white cards. And Azorius is my guild, so I'm I'm glad that we got at least one showing. Because looking at this, like overall, tons of stuff for black and red, a good amount of stuff for red and green, uh, which you expected because this is the Rakdos and Gruul set. But uh, there wasn't a single... Orzov gold card that we brought up. The Orzov gold cards, none of them... I mean, I think there was only one or maybe two that cost less than four. Um, yeah. And they, they were both just kind of idiots. There um, is a... Oh, and um, there's, there's Kaya, but she's no good. Kaya, yeah. I think she's a she's a bit too niche. And, yeah. and Taser is like... She gives you basically double death rattle if you familiar with with hearthstone parlance <laughs> if anything triggers when because of a creature dying and it has to specifically be just dying um so like if something says when you sacrifice a creature no that doesn't count it's only like if something says whenever another creature you control dies she'll she makes them trigger twice so she's like a panharmonicon of death <laughs> but um yeah like I guess you might do that. These sorts of effects are never really as good as Enter the Battlefield because it's a much harder to control the timing of things. And there's also just a lot less of them. The um, Probably the Orzhov card that I'd think about the most would be there's there's another... I can't think of the card's name and I don't have it up in front of me. Um, I think it's a vampire that you can sacrifice creatures 
and pay a bit of mana to give it death touch and indestructible and look i guess if you need another oh is uh, hang on let me let me grab mythic spoiler for a second uh it's white black yeah it is white black yeah i believe it's a bear yeah 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 um not syndicate guild mage yeah. i mean mortify is a good card if you don't have them you should pick those up oh here um, it is pity pitiless pontiff yeah pontiff, so it's yeah. a bear with one, sacrifice another creature, it gains death touch and indestructible until end of turn. And this is very similar to the one from the last Ravnica block, which you would sacrifice a creature and it would get protection from a colour. Yeah. But, I mean, it's alright. If you're doing some sort of token strategy, it can be cool, but... Mm, not or if you have it. reason to want to sacrifice things. But yeah, the problem with of from a Highlander point of view in this set, is... A lot of the cards are things like Final Payment, which kills anything, but then you've got to pay some life or sacrifice a creature or whatever. Um, and it's two mana. And in Highlander, you just have better options. Absolutely. Um, well, the other card we should honourable mention uh, is Get the Point, just because it's got the word point in the name. <laughs> yeah, I've got a feeling that that one's going to be brought up by our Discord bot a couple of times. In oh, yeah the future yeah. in our especially in the points discussion channel <laughs> it <laughs> Just... certainly already has been <laughs> hey mission briefing get the point <laughs> yeah yeah uh hopefully maybe one day in the future they'll give us get the unpoint <laughs> lost the point yeah lost the point uh, um that could be sorry. a counter spell there was, I feel like there was one other thing that I wanted to say. Ah, oh, yes. Yes, there was. And that is, um, they're reprints, but Shocklands are back um, because it's uh, a Ravnica yeah. set. Um, they're the five that we didn't get in Guilds of Ravnica. If you don't have a Shockland, or if you don't have your playset of Shocklands for non-Highlander formats... I mean, no, it's because you have four Highlander decks of every colour, surely. Yeah. Um, then pick up your Shocklands. This is about as cheap as they're going to get. Maybe not, like, initially as soon as the set comes out give it like a week or two but they're yeah. gonna get a bottom of their price it's basically now uh like a couple of weeks into the set being out that they'll hit the floor and then our the next best time to get it is going to be rotation just because this is the time that everything is going to be it's the set that's going to be open for the next couple of months well so and, and it'd be worth taking a look at the last sets as well if they're really cheap yeah yeah, you want to wait till people have had like two or three weeks worth of drafting them, or a GP, or, or, or a GP, or <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so there is one actually one just looking through the, the spoiler that um, we missed, Growth Spiral. So this is a blue and a green. I for looked an... at it and went, no, nah, I don't think so. But go on, like explain what the card is, and so, so I can it's, tell you my thoughts. It's a blue and a green for an instant, and its text is the text of Explore. So draw a card. You can put a land from your hand onto the battlefield. How much play does Explore see? Explore sees a reasonable amount of play in the lands deck. The lands decks pretty much all play it. And some of the lands decks, Salt Eye, so blue, green, black. So I think in that deck specifically, um, or if there's any other blue, green, land style decks, this is definitely worth looking at. For everyone else, probably not. Oh my, no. <laughs> no, no. If, if you're playing like Bant or something like that, or just Salt Eye Control, this is just not worth a card. Um, even though it replaces itself, it's just not doing anything that you care about and it's costing you two mana. All right, so that'll do it for our set review of um, Ravnica Allegiance. Hope you've got a couple of things that have got your brain ticking over, some new brew ideas or some ways that you're going to change and adjust your deck depending on what colours the decks that you play are. I'm sure you've got different things that you've got 
in mind for, oh, I want to try this, I want to try that. I'm really hoping that this gives quite a boost to some aggressive creature-based strategies, particularly in black and red. I'm a bit scared that the set is going to give... It's uh, not going to help take down the Kess menace at all, and the worst-case scenario in my mind is that Bedevil actually gives Kess Pile a, a tool that it needed to get even better that I just don't feel it needs. But um, I, I want to see some new decks come out of this set, ideally. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, look, I, I think this set doesn't have... There's no um, Assassin's Trophy level card in this set for Highlander. But there's a lot of tier 2 and 3 cards where you're like, yep, this fits in one or two strategies. It does... There are a bunch of cards that I think are going to be good in the red-black decks. But I think there's also a lot of cards that are going to be, you know incremental improvements um, in a lot of decks. But hey, sometimes I can do it, like we said earlier. All right, we'll wrap up the episode there. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, I do need to say that this will be my last episode, I'm afraid. So thanks for the journey. I sort of said all my goodbyes last time. So it's been a pleasure, Vance. And I'll see... Did you say you were going to be at the GP? Uh, definitely, yep. Excellent. Yeah. I'll see you and Sav at the GP. I'll walk by the tables and watch as much Highlander as I can while I'm doing my other judging duties, but um, looking forward to it. We'll be sorry to see you go, but we've got a couple of potential uh, potentially interested new hosts lined up, so for and yeah, we're going to have some guest hosts, which will be pretty fun for the next yeah, couple of episodes, yeah. so looking forward to that. Oh, and we should mention that the uh, I think the actual next episode after this one is going to be a points update, right? Yeah, so um, the episode schedule is, well, Points Update might come out the day before this. Okay, maybe. so if it's it already unclear. came out, ignore this. <laughs> but th there's going to be a Points Update that's happening uh, in, from my perspective, just under a week. From your perspective, it might be yesterday um, or it might be tomorrow. Who knows? The next episode after that is, we're not going to do, we're not going to record between CanCon and the GP because we're going to be, you know, busy. So we'll record just after the GP, and then we'll try and get that out within a week. So the next episode will be either three or four weeks from when this one comes out, probably. And I'm sure that the points update will completely overturn the format, and it'll be super dramatic, and everybody will rush to Twitter, to Facebook, to the Discord to complain about it or to celebrate, depending on which way they feel about the format. <laughs> Maybe for some people both. <laughs> Ooh, excellent alright so just to wrap up you can follow us on Twitter we are at HighlanderCast on Twitter uh, we post up new episodes there we can also find us on Facebook we're at facebook.com slash HighlanderCast we have a, a Patreon if you like the show you want to support it financially you can head over to patreon.com slash HighlanderCast otherwise myself and Vance are on Twitter I'm at boxes for sale Vance is at VanceianNotions Sav isn't on Twitter there is a Seven Point Highlander Facebook group. That's not the group for the show. That's just a general group. So if you want to come in and uh, post a deck idea, talk about points changes, uh, talk about rules interactions, or get some advice on something that you've been playing. Or we uh, a lot of Australian um, stores will also post up their events that they are running for Highlander in that group. So that's a cool place to go check out. And there's also the official format 
Discord, which there is always a link to in the show notes. We have some really great discussions um, about different decks. People will use the for Discord a lot for lending each other cards for um, for events coming up. So if you need to get some cards for the upcoming CanCon or GP, then jump in on the Discord, make some friends, and uh, get get those cards that you need arranged. Yeah, there was uh, actually a really good follow up chat in the discord about the tempo episode that was the previous episode um so there are a lot of good discussions about magic theory in general highlander theory um it's definitely worth checking out and it's the best way to keep up with all of the top memes with our memes channel i mean that's what (laughs) i use it for i can't i can't keep up nowadays i just every now and again pop over to the memes channel and go oh what are they oh this is a fun video oh these people yeah. are having some kind of social media war now. I'm glad that the Highlander players are keeping me up to date with it. It's very silly. It's a silly place. We have fun. Yeah. All right. That's it. Thanks, everybody. And good luck at your next Highlander event. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you at CanCon on the GP. The MF. Whatever. <laughs> we have been calling it <laughs> the GP the whole time. MF just doesn't have the same... It like no. I'm not gonna call it MF Sydney. <laughs> Alright. Later. Bye everyone. <laughs>